every entity of relationships has various stakeholders. Hmm. So in a marriage, the biggest stakeholder is the relationship. And the individuals have to make sure that the relationship gets what it needs first. But then there's two individuals that are stakeholders and each of them has to get what they need out of the pie too. And then you add kids. And if the kids, if those two or three or whatever stakeholders, if they're taking up the whole pie, you, you, that's not healthy for, forget you, that's not healthy for them. Hmm. I start to think the world revolves around them and that's mm-hmm. just sick and wrong. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA All-Star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Uh, the Love Work Podcast, we've been around now 52 episodes. This is our 53rd episode. Last week was a big celebration. This week is a really great interview. But before we get there, I want to hit on something that we need to ask for help. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Help wanted, I call this. Help, help wanted sign. Help wanted sign. We've interviewed over 50 couples already. On our way to 100, but we need help. We need we need more incredible interviews, uh, incredible couples to learn from. And we have a bunch in, in the hopper that are going to come. It's going to be great. But we need you. We, if you're listening right now, you've been listening every week. You're a subscriber, and you think to yourself, you need to interview, boom, fill in the blank. And don't don't come at us with Michelle and Barack Obama. I mean, we're going to When try. you don't have a connection to <laughs> Michelle and Barack Obama, okay? What we need is some honest connection. Yeah, so if you know someone <laughs> personally and you want to connect us through email or through some form, just reach out to us, please. Hit us up on Instagram. Yes. We'll respond right, right away. And, um, and yeah, we're looking for more people to interview. We're so excited about the process that we're in right now and how far we've come. We have a long way to go. Yes, but today is going to be a really, really great one. We have the famous Henry Cloud and his wife, Tori. And we're, he has written, I thought we counted and looked and all the things and researched 45 books. 45. I don't think I know a person that's written 45 But what's the one that he's probably most known for? Yeah, he's most known for his book um, called Boundaries. That's been, he's sold 2 million copies of Boundaries. Yes. And he's, (laughs) I have the like old school, old, old one. And I've realized there's like all new fancy covers now and it's, like redone and revised and he's still selling that book. That's how good it is. I think it was first put out in like 1990 something. Yeah. It's and, it, and the interesting thing is right now we talk about it, this in the interview, but it's never it, it, right now is one of the most important times to think about boundaries. For instance, yes. you're sitting a little close to me. So we need to just kind of create a little <laughs> oh bit of gosh. space. I've been noticing you're kind of in my space. This is like how he does like in our bed. Like we need that's to set your the fence side here. of the bed. <laughs> this is my side of the bed. Listen, sometimes we need some boundaries and Yeah, right. I was gonna but, say in the bedroom, but that didn't really that wasn't no, really that's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we do want to talk about uh, a couple of their platforms and a couple of things that they are really 
using right now to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is called boundaries.me and it's a platform that's really helping people continue to set boundaries in their lives so they can help have healthy relationships um, with people at work in life. And um, there's a lot of community in it and Henry cloud like walks you through a lot of different training. It's really, really good. Yep. And then they're also Henry and Tori are doing a leadership one too called lead you. And so basically they have given us a special opportunity for our listeners in the plywood community. Um, It's good for one free month of boundaries.me on the or, for the or lead you, either one of them. Or lead you yeah. um, on the boundaries.me site or the leadyou.tv site. Yeah. Just use the promo code plywood, all capital. All capital, and you get a free month. Yeah. Okay, so as we get right into the interview, first of all, thank you for that. I know it can help so many people. Uh, three things to be listening for. Um, number one, they do these su- Sundays at 2 o'clock. I'll just say that. Sundays at 2 o'clock. I think it's kind of a unique idea they came up with. Number two... Uh, I, <laughs> I asked Tori if there was ever a moment where she looked at him and said, you wrote a book about boundaries. We need to talk about this <laughs> basically. Um, and number three, this is kind of unique, but he also wrote a book for singles. So he gives some tips, uh, <laughs> about staying They're great, active. Great tips. Yes. So we're going to hear all about that. All right, everybody. We hope you love this interview as much as we do. This is Henry and Tori Cloud. You want to go first? We can, we have to tell the story together. Well, there's two versions. It depends on yeah. if you want her version or the truth. There's, there's always two, two versions. <laughs> that's how you're going to start? <laughs> that's, that's reality. <laughs> it's kind of a, a long story. It's, it's a cool story. We'll try to keep it short-ish. But um, I was in my very early 20s at the time. And Henry, we have an age difference. So he was a little older. He was in his 30s. So Early um, 30s. Yeah. <laughs> True. Not a stalker. Yeah. So anyway, I had met this guy at a wedding. I was at the singles table. And um, he, he invited me on a date. And so I went on the date. And it was on a boat in Newport Harbor. They do like a Christmas boat parade thing. So once I got on the boat, it literally was a three-hour cruise. A three-hour cruise. And oh, so no. A date for three hours. Yeah. Let me just say, first well, it's date. It's kind of by design. A friend of mine and I would, so it was my boat. And, yeah. And so one of the nights of the boat parade, we'd throw a party. And we would hand out to the 12 sharpest guys we knew, we would hand out three invitations to each of them and t- say, give these to the three most amazing unattached women that you know. So it's all single, <laughs> all like single guys, you know, single girls. Cause on a boat, you, you can't tell like who, how many levels people there all, are. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so let's just call it outnumbered. <laughs> so I get, I go on this date. Well, like 10 minutes into it, I'm, I just am like, I don't like this guy. I'm not connecting with him, but I'm trapped on a boat. For so three I, hours. Exactly. <laughs> so it might have even been four hours. I don't know. But so I um, start mingling well, after around. after you met me, you lost track of Well, time. I start mingling <laughs> around and I met Henry. And Henry was, he was, I thought he was like the captain of the boat because he was <laughs> driving. I didn't know it was his boat. And anyway, we start chatting. We, t- we hit it off. But I thought he was just a nice man. And because I, at that point, I was actually still in college. I was a senior in college. Which I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. And so, so 
it, it, so if I can step in there, what <laughs> start talking, I'm like 32 ish, 33. And I, I really thought she was like 26 or seven because she, you know, she's had a lot of life experience, world travel, all this kind of stuff. And, and came, you know, from a, a, a business background in the family. And she just didn't seem like she was that young. So I'm sitting there thinking, um, you know, I'm going to ask her out. And so we're talking for a couple hours, really had a great time. And, and then she said something about <laughs> she, she going was, back to school, going back to school, I'm thinking like law Christmas. school, med school. Yeah. Yeah. The senior in college. Oh, I just said, forget yeah. it. <laughs> you you <laughs> stepped back then. Uh, so yeah. that was the first meeting and I wasn't thinking dating at all. I was just like, Oh, he's a nice guy. We had fun together. So anyway, that was that. So almost a year later, um, I graduated college. I went to Europe. I, um, I'd been home, I want to say like a week. And I'm at my parents' house because my little sister is, they're having a sweet 16 party for her. And um, there's this man in our backyard. <laughs> Same well, man. <laughs> I, I, I've been camped out there for a year. No, <laughs> waiting, just waiting. A good friend of mine's son, who was also in high school at the time, his band was playing at the party. And so I'd been I'd telling him, I want to come hear your band. He said, we're playing this party. So I ended up there randomly. And yeah. So anyway, so that it was my, crazy. His friend who really, it's practically like his brother. They were both in high school together. And so, um, yeah, so the high school band played. It was my sister's Sweet 16. So he was there, but it was so random. And at first, I li- I did not recognize him because it had been almost a year. And I went outside because we're kind of going, who's that man? Because it was all high schoolers and family. And so when I went out, he he said, hey, Tori, how's it going? And, and I was going, oh, my gosh, this guy knows my name. And then he goes, remember, we met on the boat. And I was like, oh, yeah. But at that point, I kind of it was kind of awkward. So anyway, I was just like, OK, we'll meet again. <laughs> There's so, like a, a man that's 20 years older than you that is, remembers <laughs> your wants, name. How yeah. could that be awkward, right? <laughs> he wants to make it very clear. Half of 20. <laughs> so anyway, 10, 10. Okay, so anyway, we this story could go on and on. So. So, so we met like almost a year later, we ran into each other again. Then I actually moved to the East coast. And so basically every time I was home for like a few days, we went, ran into each other in weird places. So I was and in, think how big Southern California, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Home for a couple so days. my parents lived in where he, in my hometown is where he was living and working. So a few months later, I'm literally in a bar, like, playing pool with a friend and he, it was a restaurant bar. He's having a business meeting there. And so then he comes over and we meet again. This is like three months later, which is now a year and a half later. Yeah. Yeah. So then at that point, that was the first time I kind of was like, okay, like, what do you do? Who are you? And we got to know each other a little bit, but I had another girlfriend with me. And so the second he said he was a psychologist, she um, said, oh, okay, I have this brother. And uh, like, she went into this whole you know, <laughs> personal thing. But after we left, uh, my girlfriend was saying, you should date that guy. You really connected. And so I didn't really want to co- admit that we connected because he was too old for me. So anyway, months after that, um, I'm home again. And from a random circumstance, he finally calls me and asks me out. Well, so it's another, I, it's another random meeting. Like, yeah. I went to a 
to a graduation service and she was there because they had a foreign exchange student who was graduating and I ran into her mother at the punch bowl and her mother <laughs> said, <laughs> so crazy. Tori's in town. You should call her. Which so, is so weird on so many so, levels. But wait, anyway. wait, so you got Tori's phone number from her mom. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, I got the invite from her mom. I got the number from somebody. And, uh, okay. But, so basically a year and more than a year and a half after the first time we met and we just had some random things, we finally had a date. And at that point I was kind of dating. It was like feast or famine. I was dating, you know, a bunch of people and I was like, I'll go out with anyone once. So our first date was not good because I had already decided he's too old for me. So after all this time, he was thinking like, wow, she's a really like ice queen. Oh, the first date was like, I mean, you could have, (laughs) as a psychologist, I thought she was like, (laughs) like, would she, what happened to her? You know, (laughs) she was traumatized (laughs) at some point. Yeah. and, And for me, I was like, well, he's like an older man. Cause at this, this is before cell phones and stuff. He's wearing like a pager on his pants and like, all you know, I'm just like, am I dating my dad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was running a hospital. I was on call. It was legit. Okay. Anyway, I had a pager once too. There you go. <laughs> okay. So the first date was not the best. The second date, I mean, he, so he's calling me for a second date and I'm blowing him off. And so finally I had another date at my door and he goes, okay, how about tomorrow night? So I'm like, fine. So after all that, the second day we went out and totally hit it off. I'm like, he worked his like psychology mojo on you. (laughs) And then that was it. That was the end. Wait a minute. She did leave out one key part of the story. Okay. So after I ran into you and Jill that night, Oh yeah. Okay. So weird. This I mean, is way back in the yeah, restaurant. In the, in, yeah. When the bar. We were, yeah. And my friend was like, wow, you guys really hit it off. The next day I was driving past that restaurant and in my mind, and I didn't try to think this because I really didn't think this, but my, in my mind was like, Oh, that's going to be a funny story after we're married. And I did not like, it just came to my mind and a, I didn't even want to date this for, I wasn't even thinking that at all. And so I didn't tell him that for like, a few years. So, <laughs> but now he's like always saying that's got to be part of the story. So the real question anyway. is, who's the stalker? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was fate. And so how many years have you been married now? 24 years. 24. And how many kids? Two, two kids. Two kids. Two girls. One now is starting her sophomore year in college and one is starting her senior year in high school. Okay, so you're about to be like no Empty children masters. in the house. I know you kind of eluded very quickly, and that he kind of used his psychologist kind of voodoo. Yeah, on you. I'm curious: <laughs> is that something that you're like in marriage? You're like, okay, don't talk to me with that <laughs> hat on. No, I always say if it weren't for his sanity like our kids would be crazy i'd be crazy he doesn't i mean it's ignore it's 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 more helpful it's helpful yeah Yeah. there's no weird like you know so tell me how you're feeling (laughs) well that's because you have natural you have no problem telling me how you're feeling (laughs) (laughs) all right you've written a bazillion books and you're most well known for your boundaries 
work. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about it in the context of marriage and relationships, but let's just first give the big, broad definition that you would say, what are boundaries? Well, the easiest definition that I know is a boundaries of property line. You know, if you think of your house or your apartment or where there's a property line and, and then you have a neighbor next door to you who's got the property line and that defines who you are versus who somebody else is. So where you end, somebody else begins. And, and basically boundaries are about developing self-control and responsibility for yourself. And when each person does that, then two things happen. One is if somebody steps across the fence it does something you don't like, then you say that's not okay. You know, it's about limits, but it's also about you're responsible for your side of the equation. Mm-hmm. And so, so boundaries are really about having self-control so love can grow. Hmm. And that means boundaries have doors. So you want to open the door and invite people in, but you also want to have the door that you can close to, to people you don't want. I think in marriage, there's very important boundaries. Yeah. So that's where I want to get to because I, I, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to me, like in relationships and in, you know, family and all these things. But what do you think first is the biggest problem in marriages with boundaries? Like, what have, Tori, what have you both heard together that you constantly hear from people that this is the constant problem or tension with that? You know, boundaries are always lived out in the context. And so I think in the beginning, um, the biggest problem that you see is when people, you know, I said it's all about self-control and responsibility. And so what, what happens in marriage a lot of times is somebody's not taking responsibility for their, their own behavior or their own responses and this and the other. And what they want to do is blame the other person for you make me so. And, you know, in, instead of being able to self-regulate and say, okay, this bugs me and talk about that in a way that's not blaming. And the other side of it is the control behavior. Hmm. And the thing about Tori that I love, one of the things in the very beginning was that I could tell, and, and this is where, you know, I am a shrink and I can tell these things, is that <laughs> she had a very intact character hmm. and just a lot of ownership you know, about her side of the fence. And I was really attracted. Have you seen this be kind of a constant thing between you two? I think you're always clarifying that, right? Like last night, there was a... I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> She's got to look like, oh no. There, there was a little bit of... I'm just using this as, as an example. There was a little squabble with one of our daughters. Oh, and, and for each person to, you know... and. Uh, she, the daughter talked to me and I talked to her and then she sits down at the dinner table and, you know, the air was not pure. <laughs> you could tell that there was something amiss. And she said, all right, we got to have a good family dinner here. So let's, let's clear the air. You know, Olivia, what, what are you bugged? And, and so Olivia told her side of it and Tori responded well and owned her part of it. And then, you know, it was clear about what she didn't like. And, you know, there are, always going to be these issues. The key is, do you have the tools and the capacity to be able to work through them? Because you can't live together and not be stepping over the fence, right? And Mm. into the other person's emotional yard sometimes. Right. Yeah. So Tori, if, if I wrote a book on boundaries there, I, I know there'd be a moment that Andre would be like, 
You wrote a book on boundaries and you can't even practice this out in my own life or something. <laughs> I'm curious, well, I, like I can give you an example. Yeah, of that. I yeah. wanna hear this is like I wanna hear behind the scenes, like uh like y- you can I remember be- when we first we first got back from our honeymoon. I think this was supposed to be a story about you. But- yeah, I, I thought this is for a story. <laughs> this is for Tori to tell about no, you. You can both answer. Violating boundaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going with that. I'll make it short, but we cut, we come back. We're going out to dinner. She comes in and she says, what do you think about this dress? And I go, it's great. And she disappears. She comes back in five minutes later. Well, I think that was too casual. What do you think about this? And I go, that's great. And she comes back in five minutes later with a different one. What do you think? I said, it's not casual. It's not too, you know, that's, and three or four dresses into this, I'm going, we're not going to make it. And, and so I said, it's fine. Wear that one. And she goes, no. And I said, look, why do you even ask for my opinion? She goes, what are you talking about? So I give it to you. You don't do it. And she goes, it's called boundaries. You wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, what story came to mind when I was asking that question for you? Oh, well, not a story necessarily, but Henry's going to kill me for this, but we, he loves his work and, at times I'm like, didn't you write the book about boundaries? Shouldn't there be some, like, maybe you're working too much. (laughs) Yes. That's very, very helpful. Now, one of the things about, about boundaries is when you're with somebody that has clarity and all that we need each other, because sometimes we don't set good limits on ourselves. And and that's what confrontation and good feedback is about. So let's talk about that for a sec, because I think that's a reality of our listeners. It's like most of the people that listen to this podcast, they're they're struggling with balancing all these things. They're trying to figure out what this word balance is, but then there's other, you know, there's other terms. What advice would you give if someone was listening and they're like, man, there hasn't been boundaries built around certain portions of, of their life, you know, and they're trying to find some version of shared balance in the midst of it. I think it has to do with like actual structure. Hmm. So when our kids were really little, like really little, like under one, it's, we started, we had a built-in date night once a week. And then it, and then it was twice a week. It was a date night every Thursday night. And then on Sunday, Sunday. afternoon, after you're just destroyed with From two the kids under <laughs> two, you know, the babysitter would show up. We'd, we'd have her come at like two in the afternoon and we'd disappear. We would just go do whatever. And so that was structured. The babysitter was show up was showing up. Even if you no hate each other, you're right. going out on a date. Right. <laughs> yeah. For us, like just having like intentional structured the vacations time. go, go yeah. in the calendar the year before. Hmm. Before I say yes to any work things. Yeah. Do we have a structure of a small group of couples we've been with for 14 years? Hmm. And that's really important. So you you can't fight this out day-to-day, you've got to structure. It's like a budget. Yeah. I would also sit down with the family at various ages that the kids were and with my, because I do travel a lot, and and say, and ask the kids, you know, what's the right amount if I'm gone, you know, five nights a month, or when do you start to feel it? And, and it's amazing how even at a young age, they would say, well, no, but, you know, five, six, but more than that, you know, dad, we don't like it. And so then <laughs> you start to live, you live by these structured rules. Hmm. And I like that because it's definitely, it doesn't just happen is what you're saying. Like 
none of that just naturally will happen unless you actually build it in is what you're saying. And mm-hmm. it gets rid of the conflict because what happens is if you don't have it built in, then you're arguing about every decision. Right. So there's no question. It's just already there. Hmm. I love that example of the two o'clock babysitter. Like you might be in a fight or whatever, but the person, sh- the doorbell rings and you're like, oh, I guess we're going out. I think that's helped <laughs> us a lot. The thing is, I mean, when you have little kids and we had our kids a year and a half apart, when you have little kids, everybody's like, oh, the weekend, we're going to relax. There is no relaxing on the weekend with little kids. It's exhausting. Right. And so that's why Sunday afternoons were like, okay. <laughs> You know, yeah, we need something. <laughs> <laughs> now girls are teenagers, and so they're they're more out than they're. Yeah. It's the opposite. Like we have to build in. You know, we, we have to say, okay, when they be home, dinner, yeah, you know, couple of nights or whatever, and build the structure the other way yeah. so to not to escape the glue, but so there's enough glue. Right. Yeah. yeah it goes the opposite. Here's everything changes. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. I like when you talked a little bit about freedom. How does that make your marriage stronger? Like the idea of freedom and responsibility. I don't ever experience like, like we don't limit each other's freedom, you know, to do things. Mm-hmm. Like if one of us says, you know, I want to go do this or I want to pursue this or, you know, I'm going out with my friends tonight or whatever it is, it's not ever feel controlled in that arena. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, when we met and I happened to be dating like a bunch of different people, one thing that just drew me to Henry and I didn't even, I didn't realize it until later, but was he was the most like non-jealous, non-controlling. I mean, I, he wanted me to be me. Hmm. Yeah. Which is the best. I mean, even now if I'm, you know, He's like, what'd you do today? And if I, I'm like, oh, I got to go down to Malibu and hang out with my friends. He's like, oh, that makes me so happy. You know, it's not like, oh, well, I was working. Why weren't you doing that? You know, I mean, it's just a real freedom of, for me to be who I am, Hmm. then makes me want to be with him more. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Just not that controlling weirdness. So we're in a interesting phase right now in life where we're just starting it. And there could be people thinking in the same phase where our kids schedules are now impacting our schedules. Oh yeah. That could last a while. <laughs> the, the worst thing for us, and I said one, one of the worst was, you know, when they're preschool, you can travel and you can go, Oh, we're going here. We're going. And, and then the, the school year screws everything. Up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I know. And they track your schedule. Like you can only be gone a certain amount of days. So what advice would you get? Cause I mean, I think there's some people that could go on different realms of that. Some people like do everything on behalf of the kids and there's no. Yeah. That's capacity. sick and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's just wrong. You, you, it's just wrong. I mean, look, look every entity of relationships has various stakeholders. Hmm. So in a marriage, the biggest stakeholder is the relationship and the individuals have to make sure that the relationship gets what it needs first. But then there's two individuals that are stakeholders and each of them has to get what they need out of the pie too. And then you add kids. And if the kids, if those two or three or whatever stakeholders, if they're taking up the whole pie, 
you, you, that's not healthy for forget you. That's not healthy for them. Hmm. I start to think the world revolves around them, and that's mm-hmm. just sick and wrong. <laughs> Our kids were both really into soccer, which is you know every single weekend at least two games, and you know that's your whole weekend. And but it's it's kind of a pain. Um, but also it's kind of, you have to embrace that. Like it's, it's, it's a season, you know? And so, and you kind of work around that because we had a lot of fun in those, in those times, but then also there is a time in that season where you can let other people, you know, if another parent could take your, you don't have to go to every single soccer game. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance, I guess. And, and we, we've always been, pretty intentional about having kind of getaway times for the two of us, mm-hmm. you know, like one of our favorite hotels is literally a minute and a half away <laughs> from our house. And, and we'll go, but it kind of secluded back in the woods and we'll go there for a weekend and never leave the property mm-hmm. a minute and a half from home, yeah. you know, and leave the kids with, with somebody. So it, it or every, even sometimes, going, yeah, we'll do like 24 hours. And I mean, now we've haven't been in that, we haven't had that intensity with the kids, but even just, just making time for yourselves, even literally 24 hours, we're like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> like just to get, you know, just to get away. There is a world out there. The chaos. And, well, and I think it's good for the kids too. Oh yeah. And, and another part of it is um, even in those seasons, you've got to make sure that it all melds together. And so that everybody's getting enough of what they need when when we first moved to Los Angeles and we had, you know, Olivia was an infant. We had one baby. We didn't know anybody here because we, we moved from Newport Beach. It's about an hour away. And we met one other couple in our neighborhood with an infant. And so we started, the guy and I were saying, well, if y'all were here and didn't know we were here and vice versa, there's probably other couples with babies. And so we literally made flyers. <laughs> that's weird and, and, and the street was called Comstock and so we made flyers we call it Comstork Barbecue and it said if you've got an infant under one bring a dish and, and we had a day and we started handing them out to well, people our, our neighborhood was a real walking neighborhood there's always be like you know people with dogs and strollers and all so we did them to random yeah. people that didn't have babies and say if you know someone yeah, <laughs> you're not invited, but if you know someone else, <laughs> this is a true story. And, yeah. and so the date came 14 couples with babies showed up in our backyard. Hmm. And it was supposed to be like four to seven or something. Everybody stayed till like 11 o'clock with babies. Yeah. And it was so much fun that somebody said, let's do this again. Let's do it in a month. Okay. So that group for I don't know how many years. Five years. Hmm. Every month that grew, and it grew to about 20 couples every month that group would get together. And so the kids were having fun. The kids are playing. The families are creating this community. And then the, well, the kids grew up together. So that was our community. And then the moms every, or sometimes the dad, depending who was, was or wasn't working on Friday mornings, we'd have coffee every Friday morning and we'd just rotate houses and bring the kids. So the, kids, so the moms could have some sanity and then the kids, you know, could play and but that was our community and we moved neighborhoods but those are still some of our best friends you've got to do some things for yourself obviously there are a lot of things you do only for the kids but there's this 
middle ground where you can find ways to be talking to adults with the kids having fun too. And yeah, so I think way. you have to think that way. Yeah. Uh, you talk a lot about like the importance of boundaries with raising kids too, and especially kind of natural consequences and that kind of yeah. stuff. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, that's one place where I think we were raised very similarly. And we really, really, we have a couple of pet peeves that we share. And one of them is people that are over-parenting. Mm-hmm. Helicopter parents. Helicopter <laughs> parents. And, and our, our kind of rule was pretty early on, look, give them as much freedom as isn't going to kill them. <laughs> They're going to die, fine. But you, give them, you give them as many choices as possible. And they have to live with the consequences of those. Mm. So instead of nagging them 50 times about put on your jacket, it's cold outside, let them go to the park and freeze once and then it's done. Yep. You know, and, and all sorts of natural consequences like that are re- really, really important. I say freeze. We live in Southern California. I know. They're not <laughs> really going to go. I'm in Chicago. Don't, don't, don't do that. Because <laughs> there's the death component. <laughs> there's that. I did say if it's going to kill them, don't yeah. let yeah. them. Yeah, don't do it. Kids are, are so much more capable than people give yeah. them credit for. From a young age, they're capable of doing things, like even dressing themselves. And um, Set their alarm clock. Yeah. By the time they're five or six and showing up for breakfast dressed. Yeah. They can do that. Our older daughter, when she was in kindergarten, she would wake up before us. She'd get dressed. She'd, I mean, that's five years old. And she, you know, some people baby their kids too much and they're, they're just capable of doing things. And we started traveling with them like right when they were born practically. And so I want to say at age three, they were packing their own little tiny suitcase, pulling it on the plane, like let kids do things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is her first year in college. I remember she yeah. called, she started calling like, what do I do? I've got to register for it. And we'd say, Olivia, you're in college, figure it out and hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what I heard was that one boundary when your kids go to college is you can just hang up on them. (laughs) (laughs) Emergency calls only. Gotta go. (laughs) I, I, it's funny because I hear that a lot in terms of, and then, you know, it feels fine when they're young and they're in your house and you can, you know, still see them come home at night and sleep in their beds. And then I could, I can imagine as they're teenagers and college students that it feels differently or it gets to another level of those natural, you know, the fear or the, those natural consequences take a whole nother level, I would say. Well, that, yeah, and that's where we are right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that's where I think you help each other, you know, even at different ages. When I was a kid, a little kid, I was, uh, I had a hip disease and I was in a wheelchair and on crutches. And I remember when Olivia started walking as a toddler and she would start to go down the stairs. I mean, I have, I have memories of falling downstairs on crutches. And I was always like, kind of like, and Tori was like, let her fall, let her go. 
Right. You sound like really terrible. No, no. Let them free. Let them fall. And and she she really helped me in the areas I would overstep. But then later in the ages you're talking about, yeah, where you know, especially with a younger one, you you would feel a little more like she had the Lucy had some fears about sleepovers because she had a bad experience and would call us at ten o'clock at night, say, "Come on, come get me." And, and you would want to, you know, well, listen, I'd, absolutely not. And I'd get on the phone and say, Lucy, you got to stay there. We'll see you in the morning. Good night. And you help each other mm-hmm. because once you start parenting out of your fears mm-hmm. instead of the need for the child, then you're, you're in big trouble. And you get to the college thing. And I just, um, look, you're talking about 18 year olds. These are adults. Yeah. And if you're trying to, monitor them and control them then then just pick an age when you're going to give it up it's probably gonna be 50 mm-hmm. they ought to be doing it by then yeah hopefully it it, it is weird though because you know we're, we're there right now it's summer our daughter's home from college and sometimes she doesn't come home which is fine i mean that's normal she'll spend the night wherever but she'll tell us yeah she'll tell us but um it's kind of like there's certain things she's asked, like, can I go do this with so-and-so? And if she were under 18 and she's living under our roof and, you know, there's things that we would be like, absolutely not. But now she's, she's an adult. So she's, she's got to figure that out. She's got to do what you do. Yeah. yeah. And, and so hopefully, you know, we raised her well. And mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, you know, the but, thing about parenting is that you want them to have, they're not always going to have your voice, but you want them to have your voice inside their head. <laughs> That's good. You know? Not in a creepy way. <laughs> no, that, that they have internalized yeah. the, the values and, and being able to say no to destructive things when you're not there. Because if you have to be hovering over them, you don't have adults. And I think that's part of, you You know, we, we always talk about this. So many people come up to us and say, oh, you have a teenage daughter, like when they started to be around, you know, 14, 15. And I have never had as much fun yeah. as the teenage years. It has been the most fun, literally, I've ever yeah. had my life. Yeah, they're so Having fun. teenagers, it's so much fun. Oh, yeah. we have good news. Help. <laughs> There's hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to go back a little bit to that kind of work-life balance kind of thing. I think, man, I know you you first concepted this thing around boundaries years ago, but it may have never been so important as it is today. I mean, I think when I think mm-hmm. about my life, I'm like, how do I even create any separation from my work, my life? Like my calendars are all integrated. My phone, everything is integrated. My, you know, like it, it's, it's, everything is just overlapped today. And yeah. um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about the new technology stuff and training you're doing. But before then, like for this specific age and, you know, it's like 20 somethings today and families today. And um, what are you seeing as practical things that people can kind of create some form of boundaries in their everyday life? Well, what, what Tori said earlier about creating the structure first is really important. I mean, look, there, there used to be natural boundaries in the design of the universe. Sure. Like time, work, time and space. Come home. Right. <laughs> time and space. Yeah, there was the, hours. Yeah. 
So yeah. you would work eight to five somewhere else. You'd go to work, right? right? Well, the internet destroyed the boundaries of time and space. So now work can find you at home anytime and personal life can find you at work anytime. Mm-hmm. So if you're not creating those structures internally, the universe isn't going to do it for you. Hmm. Another thing that we would do a lot is um, find the misery and make a rule. Hmm. Okay. So you've got to feel the pain where this is happening. You're going to notice the pain. I'll give you one from, from, from the other night. We had like, like two or three nights in a row where we had late dinners and, and then, and then, you know, we, by then you're dead. We, we, you know, watch one of our shows and just, and, and we were just, we were just getting to bed too late and didn't have any time to really connect, you know, in the interim and all. And so you said, she, she set up the first one, you know, we need, we need to make a rule that we're going to eat by a certain time. And so it sounds so stupid, but it sounds stupid, but it's simple, Hmm. but you, you've got to find the pain. You know, when you're, when you're banging your head up against the wall and getting a headache, it's not rocket science to say, you know what, maybe I need a rule. I'm not going to bang my head up against the wall. <laughs> and you've got to set those structures. You know, way back when the kids were a certain age, at some point I made a rule, no work at home, no, no work email at home. And that's a little different now, but we, we stopped all of that. Hmm. You made a rule early with no cell phones at the table. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's like creating any kind of structure in the midst of this overlapping chaos that we call life today is beneficial, right? That's kind of the, the premise is like, just start somewhere that you feel a pain, set a rule and stick to it. That's right. And also you, you got to be able to, to realize the problems inside of us. It's not outside of us. Hmm. You know, it, if you're not an emergency room doctor, do you really need to take that call in the next 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. But what need inside of you is driving that? And that's where this, this being re- responsible with our own issues, you know, is really important. Now I have learned that if, if you call me three times in a row, Thank then that you, is an emergency and I have to take that phone call. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Make that a rule. <laughs> All right. I love this quote. This kind of goes right with what you were saying about the responsibility. You said, problems arise when we make someone else responsible for our needs and wants and when we blame them for our disappointments. I think that's a big marriage tension point too, right? Look, marriage is, is your deepest attachment, right? So so your deepest attachment is going to pull at your deepest dependency needs as well. Hmm. And our deepest dependencies, when you're a little kid, what does a kid do? You know, when they have an owie or they don't like something or mom or dad says no and they're upset, they, they blame mom. They blame the outside world. You know, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and they see themselves as victims. Well, hopefully we grow out of that before we get married. But, but you're going to have those experiences where you do feel kind of like, why are you doing this to me? Hmm. When in reality, a lot of times there's being a person and I don't like it. It's hmm. my problem. It's hmm. not her. Hmm. Uh, on a, all right. I got a different question. Just since I have you and I'm thinking about it. I'm always curious, like 
you, you're, you're a studier of people really at the end of the day, right? So I'm curious what you've been thinking about lately. What, what have you been curious about that you're seeing in society? And this could be both of you. This could be what you guys talk about at two o'clock date afternoons. I don't know what it is, but I'm curious what you guys have been thinking in relation to the people you interact with, whether that's uh, relationships or, or how that relates to work also. There's been like a handful of people in my life recently that are having various issues. And um, mm. what I've noticed is it's kind of in marriage. It, yeah. In marriage. Some of my married mm. friends, um, you know, and you talk about your issues with your girlfriends or family or whatever. What? And <laughs> <laughs> but a theme that I've, I've kind of noticed is if when you get to a point where you're, um, how do I say this? If, if the people are, you know, he said this and I said this and he doesn't get it. And then he thought I was saying this. It's like, you get to a point where you need a third party. It's like, you're going to keep on hitting, you know, your head against a wall going back and forth. And there's something in your relationship that it's not going to change. You're just going to keep saying the same things because of your dynamic. Is she naturally somehow, I mean, she's like a glue for kind of late twenties, 30 ish hmm. women. Oh. And especially, you know, professionals that are leading things too, that they're just naturally drawn to her and, and she becomes a thought partner to them. Hmm. And really without any kind of hanging a shingle, a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we talked a lot about how that's so important for that age group, whether you're in that age group or you're, you past those years, that people need that. That's, that's what I thought. You hmm. They just need that type of kind of mentorship, even if you don't call it a mentor, just somebody a little older, wiser, walking along with them. Yeah. And, and maybe to be able to see them, see how they do it, you know, see how they do relationship or marriage. Or they, they may have come from families where they've never seen. That. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of like, I mean, I'm saying the same thing. It's different with couples, but it just having an outside mm-hmm. You know, because you mm. obviously have your own stuff and it's not going to change in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's switch to uh, our 20-somethings or our <laughs> younger folks listening who are wanting relationships, listening to this because they are hoping for a future, you know, committed relationship. You're talking about singles. Man, yes. I, I don't think we realize how many people would be listening to our podcast that are desiring relationship and they're trying to prepare their minds or their thinking in relationship. Single, so, yeah. dating, that kind of thing. You even wrote a book a long time ago about this, how to get a date worth keeping, and did a yeah. lot of research around this. Uh to be clear, our producer, the, his wife, actually oh, I'm said... I'm going to call her out. She Amina called for- us. Amina. <laughs> Owen. She, Owen, yep. She called us and was like, you're interviewing Henry Cloud. So listen, you need to ask this question. Because <laughs> it played a role in your relationship, She right? said yeah. she read that book when she was dating, and it changed her life and really kind of changed her dating life. But she also said that it 
really played a role also moving forward in her marriage. But since you wrote that book, which was a while ago, what would you say, would you say anything is different now than what you maybe had written in your book way back then? I would say it's easier to do what the book says now. Yeah. Um, than it was back then. The, um, but the way that book came about is I just kept hearing these singles come up to me. I'd be speaking on basket weaving. I'm not even speaking on dating. <laughs> And, and usually it was three single women. They would come up to me, they'd come together, they go to the bathroom together and they come ask us questions. <laughs> and they would have the same question in city after city. They'd say, why aren't we dating? Mm. I go, I don't know. And I keep saying, I don't know. And after about a year of this, it was such a thing. I said, you know what? As I was in Daytona Beach, Florida. I, I looked at him and said, you know what? I don't know why you're not dating, but I'm hearing this so much. I'm going to find out. So I put together dating research groups all over the country through conference calls and emails and all of this. And I researched it for a year. Mm-hmm. And I found out if you're single and you're not dating and you want to, that's very solvable but there are issues you're going to have to face. And what everybody does is they blame it on the external world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the faith people say, well, I'm waiting on God to bring this person mm-hmm. to my front door. Basically I go, well, you don't marry the FedEx guy. You got to leave the house, you know, mm-hmm. and there, there's responsibilities that people have got to take ownership of their life. And if, there's only two problems in dating, how to get a date worth keeping. You're either not getting dates or the ones you're getting suck. Mm-hmm. They're not right. And there's ways to solve that, but, but you've got to look at yourself mm-hmm. and people don't like to hear that. They want to say, there's no good ones out there. And I work and, you know, they blame it on external circumstances. And so you can keep doing that because you're not in control of those or you can fix it. Hmm. You don't think anything's changed since you wrote that book? No, I do think things have changed. I think it's gotten easier because I mean, that would be different in your book. No, because really the book is about human nature. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that changes. I think that, that the context changes. I mean, come on, you got to get active. Okay, so before the internet, how would you get active? You're talking to aunts and uncles who have a cousin who had a brother that moved to town and you're telling, hey, <laughs> well, now you go on match.com. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you still got to get active. Right. Yeah. And if you, if, you're, if you have a type you're looking for, you're doomed. Okay, because types come out of pathology always. I love what you're that. saying, you're already in love with a person and you haven't met them yet. That's a fantasy that your defense systems have created to solve some problem in you. Look at that so, psychological voodoo. I see. Exactly. That's right. I was going to say, you're if right. I was going for a type, I would not be with Henry. <laughs> I was like, he's too old for me. He's this and that, you know, not, not, yeah. Right. So but I was kind no of. No type. Yeah, my well, my it doesn't was, mean there's not a type. It just means that you got to put that on the shelf, right? You got to go out and live life and let other types begin to show you that you're sick and wrong in well. some areas. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. You asked me to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I, I love it. one woman. I put this in the book. You know, she's she she's looking for this this, and and she had this type of what felt like to her strength and and security actually it was sadomasochism and i mean she would be attracted to these these really aggressive like strong appearing they were they were dependent guys who had a lot of anger mm. but she was she was very passive and when she would 
she would be with somebody that was very dominant, she would feel secure. Right. Well, she felt secure, but that's unsustainable. And she's not developing her own assertiveness. Right. And so you've got to get past some of these types and begin to learn about life by getting your numbers up. That's the first, that's the first chapter. You said something about changing your traffic pattern. Talk about the changing your traffic pattern. Okay. So you go to work, you see the same five people every day, you go home, you know, you stop by the grocery store or whatever and get a, some, and, and you go veg in front of the TV. Well, good luck. I mean, you know, it, you got to look at your traffic patterns and, and the first story in the book, it was, remember that, who that was. And, and I said, how many, how many new availables do you meet every week? And she said, none. I mean, you know, and I said, my first assignment was, okay, every Friday, I want you to send me, email me the names of five new guys, new guys each week, no recycling old inventory. <laughs> I want five new guys that you've met. And if I don't get five on Friday, I'm done with you. <laughs> and so she would have to get out of her. Con- and I said, I don't care if you go out with them or whatever. I want to see if you can talk to a human that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you so, yeah, like join a kickball team or do something different. Yeah. Walk up to the guy at Starbucks in the line in front of you and say, yeah. what did you order? What, you know, and, and she, she goes, well, I'm not going to date anybody. I go out or meet at Starbucks. I said, I didn't say anything about dating them. I just want the names of five guys that you Yeah, mm-hmm. that you've spoken to. She came out of her shell. A year and a half later, I did her wedding. Yeah. And she had not had a date in like three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love it. So we do have one final question we ask everyone. And the question is it's the root of the whole project. And we need each of you to answer it uniquely, differently, or however you believe to be true. Is it possible for both of you to be living your purpose and stay in love and raise a healthy family? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think I could do all those things without Henry. <laughs> nor, nor could I. Nor would I want to. <laughs> Me neither. I mean... I think if yeah. you're with the right person, hopefully they make you a better person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they bring out your potential in work and parenting. Hopefully you don't have to parent alone. That's hard. And then love. That's the way we're designed. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, human beings are created to be lovers and workers. Everybody. Everybody's got gifts and talents. At the end of the day, you want to put to some sort of fruition where, where you've accomplished something, right? That's the work side. And you're made to love. And that's both in friendship or sometimes in marriage. But you, you're not, we're not living a complete life as an individual if we can't do both. Hmm. So I think what's really important is, is in the, you know, you know, it's, it's harder to fix this later. You got to get on the, on the same page together early and be aligned. One of the things I loved about her was that she had, she had all the relational capacities that would make love work, but she also was a go and grasp the world, you know, go create stuff, go travel, go, you know, 
start businesses. She's just, and that's a healthy human, single or married. Mm. So if we can't balance that in a marriage, it's probably because it's not balanced in one or more of the Mm. individuals. Mm. I fall more deeply in love with her when I hear, you know, like stuff you go, I won't name all the things that she's involved with, but, (laughs) but I get to see her in her gifts and her wisdom and, Mm-hmm. And and her going to attack in life and and there's more to love. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh so if if people are listening, they haven't connected with your content in the past boundaries. I know you guys have like a couple new like a digital workshops or something. What if people want to connect with that, what what would you recommend they start? Go to boundaries.me. We get so many requests for all these boundary questions about dating and marriage and raising kids and life and how does boundaries fit with depression and anxiety. So we started a, it's a subscription thing. It's it's a price for a latte or something. And you sign up and I I become your boundaries coach ongoing. And we have thousands of subscribers and there's forums for them to connect with other people where they can help each other. Go to boundaries.me. And now it's time for the breakdown. They're kind of funny. They made me laugh a lot. They are. They are. Uh, I think they, yeah, mm. they were funny. Yeah. Their long story in the beginning of them being, yeah, like how important it was that they're 10 years apart. You yeah. were like all upped it to 20. I just threw that He in was there. not having that. He wasn't at all. He didn't <laughs> like that at all. He's like, there is boundaries, Jeff, and I'm not doing 20. 20 years is not it. Uh, so what'd you enjoy, Schinnebarger? Well, I think the core of the boundaries is this idea that you have to some way, in some small way, it doesn't have to be every aspect of your marriage or your life or whatever, but you got to create some structure. And which for me as a creative individual is kind of hard, but I get it. I've learned that I have to have, you got to create some some fences in your life um, to have some structure. And I love what he said, even when they, <laughs> the idea of scheduling a babysitter that is something we have talked to so many couples about. It's like when you don't have a consistent schedule, it's hard to find a babysitter. So in your last second, you're like, oh, we need to get a babysitter. Nobody's available. And then you don't go out. But they're like, every Sunday at two o'clock, this babysitter's coming over. Whether we are fighting or not, they're going to come. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, if if couples just create, built out a calendar for a babysitter, if you can't afford every month, that's fine. Or every week, that's fine. Every month, that's fine. Schedule it sometime every six weeks, every mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And put it on the calendar, get it on. Cause when you're competing for a babysitter, you're not going to get them last second. <laughs> right. Cause you're competing true. with all of their entire life. Well, and ultimately it just never happens really. Like if we just think it will, the stars will all align in the correct right time, space and place without us intentionally doing the work, it's really not going to. Well, and he said this, the quote that I loved, he said, if you don't create structures internally, the universe won't do it for you. Right. Exactly. I really liked his uh, other part where he talked about find the misery and make a rule. It kind of goes back to another podcast we talked about, about tension points. He, he, he stated it a lot more drastically <laughs> about misery. I thought he used the word pain. It's both. He said both. Oh. Um, I, it's funny because I wrote down pain and you wrote down misery. What does that say about ourselves? <laughs> either way, it's drastic. <laughs> 
But another way to say it is just tension points. Like I yeah. think we had an inner, uh, we talked to a uh, other couple before that was like, what are you constantly tension point fighting about? Or that's a rubbing going the wrong way every single week. Yeah. Make a rule. Like, Stop beating your head against the wall in the same thing. And we ha- we all have that. It's like, why does the same thing happen? Let's create something around this to just yes. you know, make the pain go away. Make a rule. Make a rule. I stated this quote, and I'm just going to restate this quote because I think it's so important, and I would I want people to remember it and catch it. But problems arise when we make someone else responsible for our needs and wants and when we blame them for our disappointments. That's so key and so critical, especially when we are the closest with the person that we're in partnership with. Mm. It's so easy to quickly just put the blame on them Hmm. when really we are responsible for our own needs. We're responsible for our own wants. And if we're not communicating that with our spouse, then there's no responsibility that can be, or blame that can be put on the other person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This book has been critical for me in my life. I, I, for a few years, I read it every single year Hmm. for like five years straight. Um, And, even now, as we are preparing for this interview, I like went back and this book is highlighted and starred and I can't even tell you how many ways, um, but that is a quote that I still hold on to today. Um, and something kind of, it goes along with like that idea of expectations, you know, mm-hmm. like if I'm expecting you to meet these needs of mine. Don't you put that on me. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Never, no way. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, takeaways from this. I think when you think about the breakdown, really takeaways, really practical things. It's like at the end of this episode, if you're not thinking about something that you need to build some kind of structure around, you probably really weren't listening that closely. And so maybe you need to listen to it again. Yes. But secondly, if you're at the end of this and you're like, okay, here is a pain point that we have in our life in some way. And I need to create some kind of structure around it to take away that pain or what was the word you use? Misery, mm-hmm. misery, man. I, I would say in a, in an, in an episode like this, if you just walk away and you're like, I, I need to create structure around one thing to create a boundary around mm-hmm. it so that it takes away pain. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, right. Like, and I'm not saying that from my perspective, I'm saying that from his perspective and their perspective, it's like, that's kind of the point. The point isn't like, don't let's not debate whether boundaries are good or bad or what. Like there's probably something we all have in our lives today that, that need a little bit of structure around it. Yeah. His word picture about a fence with a gate um, has stuck with me my whole life. It's, it's definitely played out a lot more in his book than what he talked about in the interview, but that we all have our yard. We have a fence around it. The fence is like one of those low fences and it's got a gate. And basically we get to choose who comes in and out of that. And we can let that good come in through the gate and we can let the bad go out through the gate as well. And, but we are responsible for our piece of the yard. Mm -hmm. We're responsible for what happens right there. Mm. And then we're responsible for opening that gate to the good or bad that we allow in or out of our lives. And we can choose that. Mm. And that's something that has shown me how boundaries is so important and so valid. These aren't walls. This isn't this big 
construction wall around my heart, but this is a gate that I get to choose who's safe, who's not, who gets to come in and who doesn't. Mm. And I think we can all like, if we can carry that word picture in our mind, I think it'll help a lot more, you know, clearly kind of show like how important boundaries are for our lives, our kids and with what we're doing with work and everything else too. Yeah. And I want to remind you if you, um, if this is something that's been a real tension, go buy the book boundaries. That's incredible. But also there's this resource they have online at boundaries.me.me that if you go there right now, you fill out your profile, use the promotional code plywood, plywood, all caps, you'll get it free for a month. You could try it. Maybe, maybe that's encouraging to you this yeah. month. So important. So thank you, Henry. Thank you, Tori. It was great to meet you and learn so much. And we will continue to learn from your writing for sure. And that's another episode of Lover Work. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.